Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show. I'm Nat Hers from FasterSkier.com. It was an epic weekend for the U.S. ski team on the World Cup circuit in Östersund, Sweden. Multiple podium finishes, drama, fun drama, near misses. It really had it all. We've got Luke Jagger, one of the American sprinters, along to recap things with us. Send us your feedback, questions, and comments at Devin at FasterSkier.com and Nat at FasterSkier.com, and we'll be right back. This episode of The Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by Kindling Collective, a queer-focused outdoor gear organization in Portland, Maine. Kindling is co-founded by my sibling, and they're running some inclusive cross-country ski programs next month. They've got an event for Black, Indigenous, and people of color, and another one focused on queer people. Kindling is doing some awesome programming to bring people from traditionally underrepresented backgrounds into the outdoors, and contributions to them are tax-deductible. To donate, visit kindlingcollective.org donate. And if you have questions or want to connect with the organization's leaders, email me, nat at fasterskier.com. Yo, looking so pro. Are we at NPR? Yeah, we're in the podcast studio. I'd like to actually put a plug in for uh, the boardroom, which does a, a deal with my very legitimate and professional small business, Northern Journal, where oh my god, uh, they they trade me uh, office space in this little co working space in in downtown Anchorage for uh, for a little bit of advertising on my on my newsletter and uh it's pretty sweet they have a quote-unquote podcasting studio and they actually have like full-on like microphone infrastructure and stuff i'm still using my just my little plug and play mic here but it's sweet because there's like you know audio either you can see the dampening and all that yeah, stuff amazing. yeah we're, oh my we're God. like we should you got to start like so i'll just stop and you can do the ads for squarespace and Amazon Meta, you can tell me how, uh, as a parent, I can protect the um, privacy of my children and uh, set up controls for the youth. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have a golden voice. Though, like, you know what? Like, I know you've done a lot of work for radio before, but and you have the voice for it. So, with the um, with the background behind you, I think it's a, it's a good look. It looks super pro. It's bringing a lot of it's bringing a lot of professionalism to this racket that we're running here. You you know what they say is it's much better to have a uh, voice for radio than to have a face for radio. So um, appreciate. Well, I have the face for I have the face for radio, not the voice for radio, and I'm an impatient bastard that likes to interrupt and go on tangents. So I'm I'm essentially a disaster man. So you so I make you look good, no matter what, no matter where we are and what we're doing. So, uh, so we got uh, Luke Jagger, Pride of Alaska, joining us, and uh, in, in I think just just a few minutes, uh, and uh, excited to to hear from him to recap a uh, pretty astonishing weekend, the likes of maybe which have never been seen before uh, for the U.S. Maybe that's a little bit of an overstatement, but uh, it might be an overstatement because like Sammy Hamilton's one. A world cup on the men's side i know and but you you add in jesse diggins like smashing another 10k and you know i can't wait to get into that i mean it's a lot to unpack i think uh, yeah it, it was it was a hell of a weekend like a total hell of a weekend let's shut this in case 
was good. Loud. But that, it was, uh, I agree. What a weekend for the Americans. What a weekend for the Americans. Maybe to- one for the Canadians. God, we're, we're on the struggle bus a bit, but we're hoping to turn it around for the last World Cups before the season, before the Christmas break in Toronto next weekend. I noticed, so we're having a uh, super tour Norams here this week in yeah. Anchorage and was looking at the start list yesterday and noticed like half, it looks like of the Canadian women's world cup team is, is here, uh, not on the world cup, which maybe makes sense based on the way the men are skiing on the world cup. But, uh, interesting to see sort of the way they've sort of divided things up. And I mean, I, I think it, it, you can see, I think the men, the Canadian men definitely like seem like they have a history that that backs up the fact that they're, you know, getting a lot more World Cup starts. But was interested to sort of see that divide where they've got, you know, five, six men getting regular World Cup starts this year. And pretty much it seems like Catherine Stewart Jones, the only woman. And then I, and then I saw maybe we could just quickly we had Wells, too. Wells is Wells has been in the World Cup as well. So we have. Yeah, there there is some other ones, but for sure. I mean, there is. And this is this is a plight that we've really struggled with in Canada. And it gets explained that there's like, oh, it goes in waves. But oof, I have my thoughts about about the, the divide. But at the same time, like I am a staunch believer in that the World Cup is not a development arena. And I know a lot of countries, smaller countries, use it as a development arena. And I know we have used it as a development arena for a long time. And I've been a product of that as well. And I think you're better suited to go to the world cup when you have some good races on a lower level to give you some confidence to come into the big show and throw down. And it has its place. It has its place, of course, to, to get kind of like a little taste of what the big leagues are all about, but it's, um, I think there's more efficient ways to, to develop athletes than just like throw them to the wolves kind of thing. But that said, it's uh, it is a challenge in these times, especially with budgets and staff and, having people all over Europe and different circuits running um, at the same time. It's, 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 it's a massive, massive challenge, but. Uh, can, can we quickly cover while we're waiting for Luke Jagger to jump on here? Uh, like Graham Ritchie. Uh, yeah. Who's had some legit results in the past couple of years is now out for the season. And I don't know, did he, cr- he had a, some kind of crash and injury. Nah, I can tell the story. First yeah. of all, big rich, the pride of Perry sound, which is only an hour and a half away from, the second worst city in all of Canada, Sudbury, Ontario, um, where, where I'm from. So Graham is from a place that's very close to where I am. And this is such a freak accident that he suffered. And my heart just breaks. Like these kind of things shouldn't happen. And it, it's like, it really is like a one in a million or more, like one in 10 million chance. So he was just heading out for a run one evening in Ostersund left the hotel and within 40 meters of the front door slipped on some ice and broke his ankle. When I say broke his ankle, it's not just like he twisted his ankle and like had a little bit of a micro fracture, both malleoli. If you know what those are, the bones in your ankle, like the big knobs in both ankles, both the lateral and the medial malleoli broke off. Also taking some, taking some ligaments with them, of course, so he had, he uh, went right from there to the Osterson Hospital where he went through surgery. So he has a bunch of pins and screws in his in his bones to hold them back together. And so it's just been, uh, man, uh, my heart my heart breaks. So I guess the silver lining is that he can get back to uh, 
get back, hey. get back home to Canada for Christmas. Well, maybe everyone can uh, find some solace in the good health and wellness of Luke Jagger, uh, who just <laughs> joined us here from Ostersund. We were just recapping the dreadful uh, injury to one Graham Ritchie, who is now out for the season after uh, slipping and falling on uh, a, tr- a little, little jog. So don't let that happen to you, Luke. I know. Yeah, that was like... Yeah, so crazy, really devastating. We all were like, we got to get some, uh, some like yak tracks or something, right afterward. There's some studs too, because freak, freak accident. It's like crazy that can just happen in a parking lot. I mean, Devin described that as a like one in ten million chance, but I, you know, cross country skiing and using your body during the winter. I mean, first of all, I don't have to. I think I can think back ten years to Holly Brooks on the tour to ski also like took a huge like digger on a training jog, I think, and maybe broke or certainly significantly injured her wrist to the point where there was doubt about whether she'd be able to finish the tour. I remember like a few years ago, Scott Patterson was out, you know, doing like intervals with the APU team and in Girdwood and took like a ski through the lung basically, I think, which was like, Super heinous. So, you know, like cruising around uh, slippery things with like various sharp pieces of equipment. Turns out uh, stuff happens, you know, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm true. I'm, I'm digressing a little bit. Um, we've got we've got Luke Jagger here from the U.S. ski team. Uh, a longtime talent from my hometown of Anchorage, Alaska, with uh, with, I believe, one national title and one very near national title that we won't drag him through uh recapping us here but if you know you know um and uh has been mixing it up on the world cup at the olympics the last last couple of years and you know we we thought it would be fun to have someone from the u.s team join us after such like a epic weekend and you know i know when i asked luke if he wanted to join us he was like i'm the i'm the least exciting member of the u.s ski team but uh right now but you know i think fun to fun to hear like a little bit about like what the vibe is like and and also you know everyone everyone out there racing on the world cup has their own drama to bring to the Devin Kershaw show. So yeah. Um, Luke, I do have a question, which is, um, are you on a computer and do you have a potential to take out those earbuds and just go into your computer mic? Cause the sound is not, uh, it's not a million bucks. For sure. I am on a computer. I thought it would be better, but this is, I'm a podcast. Yeah. I'm showing my inexperience, I guess. That actually, that, I think that is an improvement. Would you agree, Devin? Yeah, it's a bit of an improvement. Yeah, it's a bit of an improvement. And don't sweat it, Luke. This is the most ghetto podcast in cross-country ski history. There's only, there was only one English language ghetto podcast, which was us. But now it's actually, yeah, I don't know. It, it's uh, There's some proliferation, proliferation, which is actually kind of uh, fun. But yeah, no, the sound does sound a little better. Okay, cool. It, yeah, I, I just had to fix them. But I think it should be good now. Yeah, it's awesome now. Now it's great. Nice. Well, I mean, maybe we could start. I mean, I, I think couple couple reasons we wanted to have you here Luke as I said I mean I think 
uh, fun to hear from the perspective of like someone inside the US ski team, like after these first few weeks of racing, which were pretty awesome. But also, you know, would be curious to hear a little bit about, uh, you know, what your season has has been like. And, um, you know, it seems like probably been challenging in, in some ways. And I also imagine like you get there are a lot of opportunities for learning anytime you're on the world cup circuit, mixing it up. So, you know, I'd be curious if you could talk to us a little bit about um, how your race season has, has gone so far and what you're kind of taking away from it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, firstly, yeah, obviously things have been going overall pretty darn, pretty darn great for the team, which has been awesome. Um, it's a pretty like high emotion weekend with in uh, Osterson with like some crazy, crazy results, JC on the podium and Ben fourth. And then, you know, uh, yeah, Rosie and Jesse just crushing and Jesse just casually winning another, another race, which we're a little bit, um, a little bit too used to maybe, you know, like a little bit like, we're like, Oh yeah, you know, Jesse won. But like, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> you know, she's just like the best at that. Um, <clears throat> so that's been really fun and really, um, yeah, I mean, it genuinely has been just like, um, getting to see the continued success of, of the women and how they like actually just continue to get better which every year becomes a harder and harder thing to do because like they just are so freaking good is really awesome. And then those guys this weekend was just like, I mean, yeah, I could talk about this for a really long time, but it, it, it was crazy. I mean, it was just like the best, just the best skiing I've like ever seen really. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm lucky at that with, I get the train with JC at least for a lot, you know, in this last year. And um, it was just like all the, the best, all of his best qualities like put together into one race. It was, I was, I, I told somebody else this the other day. I felt like I was watching like the moon landing or something because I was just like so captivated by what I was seeing on TV. And, say, um, say, say what you mean about all his best qualities, like coming together like that. Yeah. I mean, he, his technical, I mean, and, and to be clear, you know, like Ben also being in the final was insane, but he has been just, you know, I think with his green bib and everything last year, um we all knew that was you know it was for both of them but you know especially with the way ben ended last season it was kind of a when not if and we all knew jc had it in him but he didn't he what was amazing is he didn't need to he didn't need to ease into it at all he was just like i'm here let's fucking do it basically which was he'd awesome. never been in a final before right never been in a final and he finished that semifinal, and you could see it he was like that's not it you know i'm not done you know, like he was like, he, he skied through the line. And he's like, all right, let's keep, you know, we're, we're just getting to work, which is awesome. But I mean, like technically there were some big dogs in there. And I think, I think I, I'll say technically, I think he was the best. I think he had the best technique in the entire race in the final. I mean, it was, it, you know, he had, it looked like he was kicking a roller ski and um, yeah, we were joking during what we were watching. We were like, dude, what force would have to be exerted upon JC right now for his core to become unstable and to like fold because it was insane. You know, he's just so strong skiing so well. And then also it was just like, you know, we think of him as being this like power skier, you know, really fast and huge anaerobic capabilities, but then it's the, you know, it's the hardest spring course of the year, super long climb right off the gun. And he's after seven minutes after finishing a semifinal, those other guys, Claybo, those other guys, Except we're in semifinal one, which obviously makes a big difference. That extra, you know, a few minutes of rest you get. And he's just pinning it off the front and um, sticking it to these guys were like incredible. So it was really, it was really special to get to watch it. And we all, 
I wish we'd stayed at the venue, but um, yeah, we went back to the hotel and watched it live. And it was just like, we were all there. We were all just like crying and hugging each other. And um, it was, it was really amazing. I mean, you know, and the girls right before were what, like fourth and fifth or something. And we were just like, Oh yeah, you know, that was sick, whatever. Let's keep it rolling, you know, because we're so used to how good they are. So maybe the the bummer about that is those guys are gonna be kind of become subjected to the same treatment now of like us getting so used to them being so good. But yeah, it was awesome, man. It was like yeah, it was incredible. No, it was. It I I I agree. It was a beautiful, beautiful performance. It's actually interesting hearing you, Luke, like talk about talk about JC's technique. Cause I, I also noticed that there's two things I noticed. Well, three things. One We'll start with a negative first, like Benny. If you could just learn to ski better, buddy. <laughs> like, I think you, but we'll leave that aside. I mean, there's a lot of energy going all over the place, but the guy moves his ass in a, he, he goes fast. Kid goes fast. It was a great race by Ben after kind of a challenging start to the year for him, actually, when you think about some of the results that he had last year. But I totally agree with what you're saying. Maybe not best race, maybe not best technique in the final, but I love that American swagger you guys got. Claybo looked pretty darn good too. But anyways, JC, I oh, agree. In, in, in diagonal stride, though, and then diagonal stride, I agree. Like JC was on his shit big time. His angles were great. Like you said, with the core, like some younger athletes, if you're listening to this and stuff, like these are the kind of things that really pay off when you're tired and when when it's all going down is to be able to hold your technique together when the speed's really high. And JC was incredible. And it was a beautiful, beautiful performance for him. No question. And then the the thing for me that I want to ask you, is this something that's discussed with uh, you guys? Because like, I, I love what you guys have going on. We talked about this a lot, Nat and I, and with other people and stuff that I think like in the last 25 years, like the American men have had, well, not much team cohesion. Let's just call it what it is. And your generation that's that's on the team now has really done a great job of coming together as a team and you see that with when you have third and fourth in world cup all you guys come together i can hear the the stoke in your voice and i mean we've talked to you before and all like not just you but like the other guys on the team and it's it's really a pleasure to watch and i mean i i really believe in like that team dynamic helps people get to achieve their goals that uh like big results like you saw but I, what i wanted to ask is like both ben and jc were like i loved it because they were just drilling it and they gave no like they were just hammering and taking up space and skiing like they like they meant to be there like they're meant to be there and i think it took a lot of some of the scandinavians by surprise actually i think they they weren't really used used to or ready for americans taking space like that especially in those semifinals is that something that you guys have been working on or talking about as a team or or is that just kind of like this new age you guys are bringing in the american swagger to a different level on the men's side but uh, that really struck me i was curious to hear your thoughts on it yeah i mean <clears throat> to be honest i think part of the reason that those guys have such a high level of success right now and also you know a lot of the other guys gus was always like this as well was they really been like that from the beginning of like of like um i mean like ben for example has almost been a little bit like blissfully unaware of like some of like the predispositions that maybe you know the vast majority of people have about sort of the hierarchy of speed and like well this is how things are you know these people are good or whatever and he's you know i think like he really popped onto the scene crazy last year just because things started coming together for him but you go back 
to world junior races and things, you know, plenty of races, JNs where things weren't quite, maybe, you know, we hadn't put everything together and it was the same thing, just fucking going for it. You know, it doesn't matter who it is. doesn't matter where it is, when it is just going for it. And for him, I think that's just how he is. It's just go, go, go. And JC, I think is the same way, but it's, it's like, yeah, those two, the, I I'm always fascinated by like the sort of the, the sports psychology side of those two, because I, yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I couldn't tell you how like intentional of a thing it is versus how innate of a thing it is. Just like, just the belief basically. But, um, I think they've always been like that really. And I, it, it honestly, we don't, we don't talk that much about it because I think there's a little bit of just like osmosis from, you know, from it. Like they just ooze that to the rest of us. I mean, cause I, you know, I'll be honest. I, <laughs> I don't always feel that way, obviously. And it's, 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 um, yeah, I mean, it, most people don't, it's hard to, it's hard to believe that you can do that. And maybe there's a component also of like, you know, there is like a mind body connection of like, well, they have this belief because they also have the, you know, the, they, they know that they can do it also, you know, they have like the physiological capabilities to back it up and they know that and that's supporting their, their confidence. But, um, I mean, it's true, man, you know, like it, it, every time you do a race, somebody pulls up on you that you're not really expecting to do it. You know, if I'm wherever, you know, you're kind of like, whoa, you know, and you have that, you feel a little bit of that doubt, like, wait a minute, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. And maybe this guy is having a crazy day and it goes the other way. And they're just totally exploiting that, you know, of like the status quo is this way. The Scandinavians are always hammering. The Norwegians are always hammering. And they're like, dude, like we can do that too. And like, it's, we're not just going to play into their hands basically. And you know, they got the, they got this, the, the, yeah, they can back it up. So it, it's pretty sick. And um, yeah, it's something I admire a lot. And they you know, they make it look so easy, but I can tell you it's not that easy to, to believe it. Oh, no, for sure. I mean, that's for sure. But you shouldn't sell yourself short, Luke. I was there at World Juniors in 2020 when you were like one of the relay and it was snowing and it was like vicious conditions in classic. And you essentially set off a bunch of fireworks off the start, threw up both middle fingers and proceeded to just like completely dismantle the entire world junior field setting okay. the stage for a world junior gold. So don't, I, I, we're not going to have this as like a hype, uh, like a big time um, hype show, but you have it too. And that's, and that's what I love about your generation right now in the U S is it. Yeah. I mean, the sun is shining on, on Ben and especially JC after this weekend, but you're a big part of that Gus, what Gus is doing now this year after some really, really tough years. And that is hard to do. It's hard to be in the top 20. It's hard to be in the top 15 at, at any point on the World Cup. And for a guy like Gus, as world junior champ individually and world junior champ with yourself in the relay, getting like essentially his teeth kicked in all last year and for the better part of two years ago as well to come into this season and, and show some show some real growth when he's, you guys are young. And I mean, I know you've had some tough outings here, man, like this season as well already but the season is long and success breeds success and you have it in you and that's what i love about your young american team right now i think it's just super fun but that's really interesting to hear your perspective on that because i love that i i really get inspired when i see that kind of no holds barred alex had that you know what i mean like i mean this is mm -hmm. like again like i'm old balls so this is just how it is and we get hate mail about like curse shut up with your stories no one wants to hear them but 
but like Harv, when he busted in on the World Cup, like he gave no shits. Like he, this is at, at, we're talking about Alex Harvey, Alex Harvey, star from Alex Quebec Harvey, and you know, you don't you don't podium in fifty k's as a first year senior by showing people respect. You do it because you believe, believe or not, you're just willing to, you're willing to try. And I think that's what's been so inspiring. So it's cool to hear your perspective on that. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, totally. I'm also always kind of curious with that. I'm like, man, how much of it is like, just fake it till you make it, you know? And like, just be like, oh man, I'm just going, I'm just going, I'm just going. And eventually it's going to work. And how much of that is like a lot of the people that maybe have that mentality ingrained, had some experiences when they were really young of just like success over and over again, that they just like, they just learned, this is who I am, you know, I'm a winner. And every time they got to a new stage, it was like, I'm still a winner. I'm still a winner. You know what I mean? And then you suddenly like the best people in the world. I mean, like there's a lot of roads to the top, obviously, but you know, Johannes, my my man's been a winner pretty much his whole life. That's how a lot of those guys are. So I always kind of wonder like, you know, what's the line there? Like, I don't know. Cause there's a lot of ways to do it, but I, I, I think that, some of like your early, you know, sporting experiences can be pretty integral in, in determining like the mentality you take into well into adulthood, you know? No, for sure. I agree. But I think the other thing too, just to, to build on that is like, but then you have someone like Rosie. Totally. That essentially made a career of getting her teeth kicked in before she turned like 28, 29. And then yeah. it was like, I put the work in baby. And now every time I put the my boots in the bindings, it's on. And now like, we're almost disappointed. It's like, oh man, Rosie was only fifth. It's like, what? She's oh, top five in every race she's doing. Like, this is so incredible. And I know Nat had a great discussion with her earlier in the week. And um, so I don't know. I just think it, you're right. You're absolutely right. There's there's like many, many roads lead to Rome, but but the on the sprint side of things for for the American guys after a tough start to the season is uh I build on that, man. Like I, I hope all you guys build on that and and take take a little piece of that success forward. Cause like, I, I believe that. I mean, I know I'm just repeating myself twice in the last 10 minutes. That's kind of my MO, but like success does breed success. And all you guys are a part of that. And, and you guys stick together and I can hear it in your voice, how much it means to, to yourself. And uh, even though like, it's been a challenging P1 for you. So uh, it was really cool. Yeah. Thanks. No, we're super, we're super lucky. We got a sweet thing going. We so, so grateful. I, I have two key questions for Luke and and we could talk maybe a little bit about the the women's sprint too. Um, but the main thing I want to know was sort of how did the how did the US team like did you guys see this? Uh so there was an incident where a Swedish coach basically like uh, fully obstructed Rosie Brandon in the women's final. I did not see it like during the live coverage of the race. I don't even know if it was really shown on television, but then like these clips started coming out and, and it, you know, it was kind of the most fun and interesting story from that race for, I think for a lot of people and was curious, sort of like, how did that come up on your guys radar? Like, when did you see it? And like, what was the reaction from folks to that uh, episode? Yeah. I mean, we actually, we noticed it while we were uh, watching the final. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it was pretty, I thought it was pretty funny that Rosie was just like, all right, and just put her shoulder down and just kept going, you know. But I don't know. It sounded like, um, you know, people make mistakes. It sounded like the dude was really bummed, went up and, and talked and apologized really profusely to everyone. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. It sucks. But obviously, my man was not trying to, wasn't trying to alter the race and was for sure maybe just a little too excited, which we've all, 
we've all been there and um like yeah, sweden like wins really every day why are you that excited bro like come on <laughs> maybe that's why they win every day because that guy's just going so crazy every day on the sidelines but no uh, for sure i mean yeah i don't know i don't think i mean this is maybe a bad take but like man you watch like tour de france we get pretty lucky in terms of spectator and uh you know collisions on the side and stuff like that so it, it, you don't you don't want people to tone down their emotions you don't, you know you want people to be passionate so it it, it sucks and I'm, I'm i bet that guy's never gonna do it again and it, I can't it, it makes, seems like she's seems like she's at peace with the whole thing it, it makes for great television and for a great like monday morning quarterback and and you know we can be clear I, this was lars oberg one of the the swedish uh, uh team managers or coaches like i've worked with him good guy nice guy um yeah. and and you know he got fined he got barred from the race course on sunday's race the day after this and and i think he was fully you know raked over the coals in the media which was i think what i saw matt wickham uh say was you know the punishment that was really worse than any other punishment totally. the guy was gonna get so totally. uh, like this is this is cross-country skiing you know there's not any there's not any tampering going on here you know we're just yeah, there's just a few dozen people watching at home. Like this guy was just excited and made a mistake. <laughs> like that just sucks. That's how these things go, though. So, so my other question, Luke, was I mean, you know, you can get into this as much or as little as you want, but you know, curious. I mean, you've been training with these guys all all summer. JC's been training with APU. Gus has been training with APU. You know, I'm sure you've been seeing Ben Ogden at, at camps and stuff. And, um, you know, you're kind of in the mix with these guys. Then you're having like your own life, your own experience on the World Cup this year. And I, can you talk us through it a little bit? Yeah, no, that's a nice way. It's a nice way to put it. Um, no, definitely. I mean, I, you know, I've, to be honest, been a little bit like um, surprised by just like kind of how things have been going for, for myself. Um, yeah, I definitely it's it's true it's it's like you train with people all year and um yeah the racing is so much different than training and for a lot of reasons the mentality side of it is huge and i mean like jc is a good example i don't think i've ever met somebody who has such a, a such a big difference between training performance and race performance not that he's bad in training by any means but he's so concerned on his own, you know, what he needs to do. And he's so not wrapped up in like, you know, like day-to-day -day competition, that kind of stuff that your perception of relative what performance, you know, is maybe skewed a little bit. And also just like, you know, when you're doing intensity training in the summer and fall, the, you know, the, 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 your effort that maybe in like, say like an L4 session, person to person has a, you know, percent or a couple percent difference probably, which will can, can mean that you guys are all together. Whereas in reality, that slight difference in effort on the race course is a lot is, a, is big. And also just as you get closer to racing, man, people handle the, you know, the stress of hard intervals and the stimulus of, of racing a lot differently. And depending on how much load you're carrying going into these things just and and just like how you respond to that kind of stimulus you're just gonna really be a lot different you know i mean like in the meat of the summer when we do most of our training together it's mostly volume it's mostly threshold and like people are responding pretty similarly and you're just really not sizing people up that much you know and then you get to when you're doing really hard stuff and just based on your training background your physiology and all and how you're executing the workouts the stimulus you get from them is really really different 
So I think that's like one of the hardest things for people to wrap their heads around in endurance sport. And can I, honest, can I, can I, can I put that another way maybe, which is like you and JC are basically training together side by side, doing the exact same stuff, skiing the same pace, like feeling like you're at a similar level. And then you show up on the world cup and different things start happening. And like JC's on the podium and no offense, Luke's not on the podium. <laughs> on the, like, reverse podium. How do how do we explain this? Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, you know, I think anyone who, who tells you that they can fully tell you that is lying to you a little bit or, or lying to themselves. But I mean, at the end of the day, people just respond to things differently. And, you know, it's funny too, like the, maybe the physiological stimulus difference between, um, you know, your periodization or the way you're executing these workouts or or whatever gives you like a percent, but then also just like, man, skis can take or give you a percent. And then that really affects your perceived effort. And then suddenly you're losing another percent to that, you know? So like the margins are, are small and it doesn't take much to go one way or the other. And the issue is, you know, we're pretty, we like to think we're like pretty rational and objective in our, like in our measurement of effort. But like the story that you're telling yourself about how you're doing, how your season's going, how your shape is, has a huge impact on how hard you think things are and, and how well you think you're doing. You know, I mean, like we were talking recently about some studies that have been done about just like max bike tests where they flash a smiley face versus a frowny face. And people just like have a lower RPE and perform better when the smiley face is showing, you know, and like just a little stuff like that, dude. Like when I ski past Matt and he gives me a split that's like, hey, brother keep fighting lots of people around you or something like that with no places or whatever, you know, I know well enough to know like, Oh shit, I, you know, I'm getting fucking stomped on here. Cause you know, when you're having a good one, they're, they're giving you specifics like this many seconds of this place, this many seconds, of this place. And then you're like, Oh shit, I'm in this, I'm in this. And suddenly your perception of your effort is like way different. And you're like, I have more to give. I have more to give. But when, you know, you just like pick a narrative and that's kind of, that becomes a little bit of the battle because the differences that we make in training in terms of what we're capable of at, at a high level, the difference you lose to skis, to pacing, to health, to, and you know, to your mental aptitude to perform is at least equal to your physiological differences. You know, if you put Claybo in my body and you know, he's going to, and with his winning mindset, he's going to perform better than I'm probably going to be able to do right now, just because it's like, that's clockwork for him, you know? So I don't know. It's interesting. It's been kind of fun having a bit of a slow start of the season just to kind of get to think a little bit about that and be like, oh yeah, you know, like how much of this is like in my head, how much of this is like actually going on. And yeah, it's cool, man. I don't know. And don't take, like, I mean, again, like we don't need to make it like a Luke Yeager hype, hype episode. But I I think I think like, you're you're a bright kid and like you're you just don't forget those beautiful performances that you've had in the past because they're there and I know how frustrating it is man like I've I've shat the bed for periods of the World Cup I've had tough seasons I've also had seasons where everything's just rolling hard and it, it, this is when like you really need like good people around you have great teammates around you so take the strength from that and then you have great coaches like i mean eric flora has got a lot of experience from both sides of the coin of that you know and then yeah. so the u.s sort of the u.s guy so i don't know be patient that's hard when you're young but uh the season's long man and next thing you know you break out you got break out you, you stomp one race and 
and the whole the whole image looks totally different. So totally. I, I don't know, man. I, I just keep keep on keeping on, dude. It's you, you've got that it is. in you, and and I don't know. Dig out that World Junior relay from 2020 and just watch it for like on double speed or something. And yeah, man, that's you that did that, and that's the yeah. confidence that you have. And it's not just you, and that's what's cool. And it's not just you. Lighter, better, faster. The new Speedmax Helium Ski from Fisher is the ultimate in race ski technology. The Speedmax Helium Skate Plus features a bi-directional air core and a redesigned World Cup tip, helping this revolutionary ski weigh in at less than 950 grams. Paired with the new Speedmax boot, Fisher's Speedmax Helium skis keep you staying stronger during your next long ski and can help you drop time during your next big race. Learn more about the new Speedmax Helium system at fishersports.com. Remember, skiing isn't a lifestyle, it's life. But we should probably do a bit of like a recap for people that are listening because they're kind of used to us just like breaking it down quick. So we'll start with the women's sprint if that's cool. And we'll get like, got some perspectives from you, Luke, and then jump in when you can. But before we do that, the winner of the women's sprint, Emma Rebaum, has taken both classic sprints already this year. And we love the juice here on this, uh, whatever, this little project we have going on here. Is JC dating Emma Ribom? <laughs> can you confirm yes. or deny this? Yeah, I think I can say that. I mean, it's been in the uh, Swedish tabloids. It's not. Yeah, a I, don't, secret, I don't think bro. I'm breaking this news for sure. Yeah, for sure. She was. Uh, I know. She was in Alaska in the spring. So my. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the real deal. It's the real deal. That's. So the second question, follow up question for that is, what is it about the American men? And these like uh, Swedish babes. I mean, it's it's incredible. You guys, you guys see they see the swagger too. I love it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I, I thought that was pretty funny because the Swedish tabloids like, um, we don't need to comment on that. I'm just talking shit. But like what Nat what Nat was saying, what Nat was alluding to with the tabloids, like it really blew up after this weekend in Sweden. I was I was okay. like reading the <laughs> Swedish media, being like, oh my god, this is like. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty incredible how big a deal cross country skiing is when it's when it's in ski in totally. season when it's when people are winning like like. But anyway, she 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 really stomped. I mean, I think she stud skied a super super smart race. I think she was probably skiing more tactically, like better tactically actually than than pretty much the whole field. But Ribbon was too strong and and uh, she stud left it a little too late and, and wasn't able to bring it back. I thought it was cool to see Lynn Spawn back on the podium. And then, like, we got oh yeah, we're all getting kind of used to this. But like the season that Diggins is having right now, I mean, this is this is the best Jesse Diggins has been performing ever. It's the best yeah. she's been classic, like skiing classic ever. These conditions aren't easy, like you said. I mean, I've raced in Austin too on that course, and and uh, yeah, man, like it's what she's doing out there is digging really strong and and rosie for the classic sprint again i mean it, it, they're skiing at such a high level but but jesse's classic skiing has been something that it's, i mean I, i've never seen a classic like this never not even close and uh been pretty inspiring so and all chris good to see her in in seventh you know like she's been such a beast in the last few years and she's had a really where this whole show started going and uh thought it was pretty cool and then the norwegian women i don't know that's my perspective from the women's race and then be psyched to hear you guys perspective 
Yeah, I um, I agree that I, Jesse's classic skiing is um, it's pretty inspiring. That you know, if we if, if <laughs> for those of us who think we're bad at things, like you can get better at them. You know, I mean, she was obviously never bad at classic skiing, but she had a pretty big discrepancy between the two. And now it's like her striding is just lights out so good. She's good in double pole, um, you know, in a classic sprint. Like I remember when she won the qualifier in Ruka, everyone was like, whoa, that was huge, you know, for Jesse to win the classic qualifier. And it was, but now she's just checking off these big classic results like it's nothing. So it's pretty cool. And, you know, like even late in your career, you keep getting better at stuff, which is, yeah, it's inspiring to see. And I think it's, I haven't talked too much to her about it, but I think it's been like probably a fun project for for her and Cork to to get in the lab and really figure out um yeah like how do we make this even better you know and they, they seem to have figured it out um and i agree too about you know emma is just like whew, on a different level right now really and she i think she um i think i i think she struggled quite a bit with sickness in a lot of the summer and fall so um yeah it's pretty cool that she has been able to i mean i don't know you know if you're a nordic here like the common cold is like actually you know the bubonic plague so uh, that she was able to overcome overcome that and really put together a crazy start to the season is is really awesome and you know it's always like okay you have a crazy start to the season how are you going to keep doing it um and i think i don't know she's probably going to need to train pretty well over christmas and i bet just like that the good vibes of like knowing you're doing well is probably enough to just keep it rolling so um yeah i don't know the people who are who are good at the beginning usually end up being good most of the time as well and then yeah, it was an awesome, awesome. Honestly, like the women's racing is so exciting right now. Like so many, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, uh, hate to say it, but like the, the men's racing is just, is pretty predictable. You know, I mean, the Norwegians are just so, so good that it's like, basically they're just having a time trial every weekend. And then like, you know, they let the rest of us scrubs put bibs on and show up basically. But the women, you know, I mean, like I, I'm super bummed about uh, Tyrrell being, you know, getting COVID and, being out of the mix obviously that sucks for her but it's been pretty fun just to get so many nations in there and like victoria carl getting on the podium and uh flora dolce being so close to the podium on sunday also like it's really exciting that you just got a big big bunch of nations and yeah just a lot of different people in there is is pretty awesome so i really enjoyed watching watching the women's sprint and women's racing in general is pretty pretty sweet to watch right now my one comment and I'm curious how you guys felt about this, like this Osterson sprint course, like it, uh, it seemed like it was fun to race, like lots of curves and like lots of fast terrain. It did not do it for me as a spectator. Like I just felt like there wasn't really any defining feature of the course that sort of made for people to really make moves. It was like, you had these gaps just like slowly form and they kind of stuck and, I, I don't know. It was, it just was, it was a weird, I felt like it was a weird kind of sprint race where nothing really decisive happened. Stuff just happened. And I, I don't know. I, I'm just throwing that yeah. out there. Um, go for totally. it. Totally, I, I agree. I mean, I bet, you know, I, I also didn't race the heat, so I can't speak to this, but I kind of bet for a lot of the athletes, that was a little bit of a relief because like, you didn't, I mean, it's like, sprinting is awesome to watch because you know when it has like the crazy draft thing and you know tactics are such a big thing but i i think like for probably jesse and rosie and apparently jc also like just just be able to just just race you know like not really need to worry that much about positioning and you know it's just kind of one of those ones where if you if you got it you can go 
And like, it's kind of fun to get those every now and then, you know, I mean, like I heard Jesse say it was like a distance skier sprint or something, which I'm like, all right, it's still three minutes. So I don't know about that, but you know, it is pretty grindy and there's not a lot of like the speed is low enough in most of the working sections that like it really opens up. So I agree. I, I, I kind of enjoyed watching it for that reason. Cause it was like, um, I don't know. I feel like so many, especially on the men's side, like the Scandinavians are just so tactically proficient that like it's like pretty, pretty, you know, they can just be not necessarily be feeling better and, and perform better still. So, I mean, it ended up obviously being four regions in the final still. So didn't, didn't move the needle as much maybe, but yeah, it's kind of cool to have like a grindy one. I also think, I also think now I'm going to push back a little bit. Austin. I think, I think from the women's side of things, it was long. Like when you're going like three forty, uh, that that's long. So there, there I feel, yeah, like I really do. And you saw that it was, people were struggling. I mean, like where I alluded to she's that like trying to play it tactical, but like, yeah, it's kind of hard if it's going to be so long, but I, from the men's side of things, man, I don't know. I think, I think we're just not used to seeing like a big workload like that. So early in a sprint course. Um, but I think it's, you know, I, I think on the men's side of things, like Osterson's like, it's got everything you want in it's in a sprint for, for from the men's side, it's right around three minutes. Like, yeah, it was just a little over, whatever, like 310, 315 or whatever for some, but like in some of the slower heats or whatever. But like the fact of the matter is, man, like good corners, lot like punchy climbs. But I think I think we're just getting that working section right off the gun. We're just not used to seeing that. And then yeah, not everyone is at a claybo level or throwing down a race like uh Ben or JC that just like are willing to dig right from the start. But I don't know, man. I, I kind of like the Austin Spring course once in a while. I, I think, and this is a discussion with like the even distances, right? Like there was no difference between the men and women's spring courses and there has been in the past a lot of times. And yeah, man, like I probably would have tried to make that spring course right around three minutes for the women, even though the distance would have been a little less. It would have made it more exciting. It would have made it like more of a sprint, like kind of like, like, like Luke saying too, like all those corners and punchy climbs, like that's what makes sprinting sprinting. You know what I mean? And from the women's side of things, like you, you kind of miss that a little bit, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, like Luke said, sometimes you just got to rise and grind. And that was, that was the, that was the, the storyline for the, for both sprints, but especially the women's sprint. But I, I agree with everything Luke's saying. We talked about that a lot, dude. And on this, uh, this thing, it's like the women's women's ski racing is just so exciting. And not just saying that because North Americans are doing well, but, I think it's, there's a lot of different names. There's some new names in there now in the top 10, which is super fun. New nations. Um, it, it's awesome, man. And, and it means a lot. I think the cool thing is like the pictures, like the on TV, like when JC podiums, like all you guys are like super jazzed and like everyone's together, but like the same things happening, happening for Victoria Carl, the same things happening for like Heidi Vang, who has had like, like horrible, like vertigo. She's had a concussion. She struggled with. She's, struggled big time with COVID, uh, the whole pandemic. She's had like four horrendously tough years and her back on the podium in that, in that 10 K on Sunday was like meant a lot for her, meant a lot for the team. And I think it's just like, it's good vibes right now on the, on the women's side of things. It's really fun. Totally. Well, I, I want to talk a little bit about the, the men's sprint, like before we move on, I mean, we kind of covered the, these, the U S results there, there were a couple of things from the qualifier actually, that I wanted to quickly note. One was Evo Niskanen 
getting into sprint heats, which was just like, what? That's not what that dude is known for. The other thing that is just absolutely breaking my heart, I'm going to talk about this for for a minute because it's like a personal interest of mine is Wang Chong, uh, the 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 Chinese athlete who has been, you know, who was like knocking on the door, was on the podium two seasons ago, then uh, was was basically locked in China for the last season. We didn't get to see him at all, which was like really disappointing because he was such an exciting athlete to watch that that Olympic year. There was sort of drama with with China and and is China going to break into World Cup cross country skiing? He's back on the scene this year skiing with Team Akradali and um you know has has had like flashes of brilliance like he was in a in a final in a Norwegian Cup which arguably is almost as legit as being in the final of a World Cup but uh has had trouble getting getting into the heats and and just missed out in in this race in uh Ostersund and then he's only got uh he's got one more weekend of racing in Trondheim and then he's got to go back to China for the rest of the year to compete in the China games because uh apparently that's where the money is if you're if you're Chinese and that's the priority so so he's like one and done after this weekend in Trondheim and you know maybe we'll see him next year or maybe he'll be on the Chinese uh Russian breakoff circuit that you know is going to start or something like that. I I find it really disappointing. Apparently also like some of the officials in charge of the Chinese ski team in the lead up to the Olympics have now been like placed under investigation and like maybe subject to law enforcement action. So it just seems like they are really, that program is kind of, I don't know what's going on. I don't think we really can know what's going on, but I think what we can observe is that, you know, this, this big buildup in the lead up to, to Beijing, which really, you know, produced some pretty legit results for a little while there, including on the women's distance side with some really exciting young athletes. It's like, I don't think, I think this is a flash in the pan and, and, you know, it's going to be over when Wang Chong ages out and that's it. And I find that, really disappointing the other thing from the qualifier i just uh, from the men's race i mean we we talked a lot about claybo getting kind of taken out at the beginning of the season by covid and it seemed like there were i don't know if there were like real legit deep doubts about you know is he past his prime what's what's the story with johannes is he going to be back and I, I i just love that the guy comes back absolutely smokes the qualifier by you know, three, three and a half seconds and throws down in the, in the final. And I, you know, we talk about uh, it's interesting. You were talking about women's racing being more exciting. I was off in Fairbanks this weekend with a friend who's a former elite level ski coach who isn't tracking the sport so much anymore. And I was telling him how exciting women's racing is. And he's like, I thought women's racing was like boring, like Yohag Bjorgen winning all the races. Like it's always like that. I'm like, no dude, men's racing is kind of like that these days, but I gotta say, I just, I do not get tired really of watching Johannes Klebo just because he's so fun to watch and he's so good. And he's just, it's like perform when he performs, he performs and it just like, I don't know. That's why I watch sports and it's not exciting in certain ways, but it's, I don't, you know, it's still, it, it does it for me. So that's my, that's my breakdown of the men's sprint. I'm going to jump in here too, because like, because I, I, I mean, I, I know I've poo-pooed, I've poo-pooed that it's just like Norwegians, like eight Norwegians in the top 10, but like from a pure sporting side of things, I, I, I can't help but agree with you. I mean, you are watching 
Johannes is the best skier in the world. And he's one of the best skiers that's ever lived, men or women. And technically, he's super solid. Tactically, he's super solid. That that winning mentality that Luke was talking about earlier, he has that. And yeah, there's like, I think they're just trying to sell papers, like trying to put like a little bit of doubt. The guy, of course, is going to come back. I mean, he's the best. He's in his prime. It, I don't even know if he is in his prime yet, to be perfectly honest. He's he's so good. And like, he really he really won that sprint with authority. But it's not just him. I love the fire of Volness. You know, like Volnis skis, like super, super powerfully. So if you're that kind of skier, if you're kind of a skier that like maybe isn't as pretty as uh, Claybo is. And when I say that, I say that with the utmost respect. I mean, like it's just perfect technique. And Volnis also has perfect technique, but you he really wears his heart on his sleeve and you just see the effort differently. Paul Goldberg, of course, and like a lot of the other Norwegian guys, like they're all, Evan Nortug does it a little differently than... Uh, he's really, really tactically brilliant, actually. And, um, you know, so even though they're all in the same suit, it, it is, uh, I agree with you. Like it is, these are, these are beautiful performances. Don't get me wrong. I just think the predictability that Luke was just talking about a, a bit before, it's like, I'm just not, not used to that. It hasn't really been like that in like 85 or like a hundred years. Cause like the first winter Olympics was a hundred years ago in 2024. And like, this dominance uh, we're getting a little too used to like, Oh yeah. Well, the Norwegians are always good like this. And like, that is not true. And young Americans, Canadians, Germans, Swiss, Swedes, everyone has to get their head out of their ass. And it was not always like this. And it does not always need to be like this. And you guys can be this good. So that is what annoys me with, with men's racing is maybe like the predictability, but I agree from a pure performance standpoint and, and something to learn, it is these are these are great racing i have to i have to give a shout out you give a shout out to niskin but i'm giving a shout out to tony sear who is also like you know he had a fourth place last year in the world cup he had a couple top tens as well um he's had a little slower start to the season perhaps than like maybe he was hoping but he's not as good in skating that's just the facts there's been a lot of skating skate heavy calendar here um in period one in trondheim it won't be so that'd be cool but the dude was super solid. Yeah, he didn't have the world's best qualifier, like qualifying in the mid-20s or whatever. But in his heat, he also skied with authority. He skied mm -hmm. like he belonged. It was a big difference between earlier this season when he was in the heats. He took up space and he was this close. I mean, no one can see this because it's a podcast. But like he was so close to getting that lucky loser spot. He was also so close to, to getting in, being top two. For his heat and he skied super super smart so like chapeau to to tony it was a, it was a great sprint by him yeah he's awesome i mean he skis i agree i like that he he just went off the front and i mean that's a good course for him because he, he's you know he's got those sprint wheels but he's, he's a fit guy too like and he's got that stride that's just like i was telling these guys the other day i'm always like dude it looks like he's on like skis that are flexed for like novi or something because they're like they just look so easy to, he makes it look so easy to kick them you know like I'm sure that he's just really good at skiing and it looks that way, but it's a little different, his stride. And I, I really like it. It's kind of like watching like Ben stride or something. You're like, it's a little different, but it's working really well. And I like it, you know? And yeah, Tony obviously is just like totally the, he's got it all and he'll, yeah. I think he'll hit his stride and probably around the tour and just be crazy and probably get some podiums or something. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. It's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm psyched to see it. And it's uh it's fun to see Tony. Uh, super solid and even after quote unquote a slow start he's still 23rd in the overall world cup results on the men's side of things so it's, it hasn't been it has by it hasn't been a crisis by any means
This podcast is brought to you by the Alberta World Cup Society, organizers of the upcoming Coupe Fist Cross Country World Cup in Canmore, Alberta, February 9th to the 13th, 2024. Hey, Nordic ski fans, get ready to elevate your visit to Canmore with complete VIP experience package. You got to picture this VIP suite, indoor and outdoor access, fully catered meals, behind the scenes experience, and this is a big one in North America because we have horrendous public transit free parking from a bird's eye view to this reserved finish line access this will be the nordic experience of a lifetime so limited spots are available book your tickets at albertaworldcup.com a reminder that general admission tickets are free and all are welcome plan your visit at i repeat albertaworldcup.com and you have no bigger hometown booster than me camera alberta most beautiful venue on the world cup get your butts there and under the shadows of the beautiful Rocky Mountains, cheer on our athletes. Let's move on to the te- to the distance races a little bit. I mean, like we talked about Diggins, and I talked about how this is the best she's ever classic in her life, and that is hands down true. Uh, just I mean, just look at her technique. You've never seen Jesse classic like this week in week out. But in skating, I mean, like she didn't just win again in the 10k. Uh, she smashed the field again. I mean, she wins by 23 seconds. She is so far and away. She has never, ever been this good. And this is a world champion, multiple-time world champion. This is an Olympic champion. This is individual Olympic medalist, multiple times. Like, I'm telling you right now, in three weeks of racing, you've never seen Jesse this good, ever. Mm-hmm. And the way she's doing it is outstanding i mean i know it sounds like almost stupid to even spend any minute any seconds talking about how outstanding what i'm seeing but i mean she's just increasing and increasing and increasing and 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 her performance was outrageous we talked about heidi i really love to see heidi back up there i mean she is heidi's one of the greatest skiers of a generation no question that's gone through a lot of struggles really cool to see her in second victoria carl love this with the germans right like it's so fun to see the previous world junior champ had a lot of a lot a lot of hype man and had a lot of pressure actually earlier in her career and distance podiums are hard to come by man i'm not saying sprint podiums are easy but distance podiums are super hard to come by and to see her on the podium and and like you alluded to too luke like florida um florida dolce i mean the young french woman fourth place claudel we expect we we know claudel has been all over the top 10 before but claudel's in sixth and Rosie's in fifth. I don't know. I thought it was like, uh, and Sophia, Sophia Logley, your teammate as well yeah. in eight. I think they, this is going to be a bit controversial and we curious to hear what your, your thoughts are on this Luke, but like, I think some of the women got a little lucky that the Swedes missed their skis and I don't care what they're saying publicly. I've been in the game long enough to see how people are moving and how their technique is, how they're attacking courses and if you look at like a, someone like Eva Anderson, the way she started, the way her technique was, the fire, everything was clicking. Her early splits were good. She looked just as good a kilometer six and kilometer seven as she did a kilometer two. And she's bleeding time. Like she, she was just like, they obviously missed something with the structure. That's what I'm saying. I mean, that's this classic mistake that, that, that uh, technicians teams can make is, is they kind of get cute with the structure and the skis are really fast for a couple K and then they get gunked up or they, they interact differently with the snow or the waxing and, and it just all goes to shit. And I mean, I've had competitions like that and it's so frustrating. And I mean, you can lie to me all you want, but what I saw from the Swedish women, they had horrendous skis in the, 
in the last lap of that skate event and not a single Swedish woman was able to claw back any seconds. They were bleeding seconds. They were bleeding like tens of seconds on that second lap. So, but you know what? You got to be good to be lucky and, and, uh, you know, cool to see Anna Shearsty in seventh again. And like I said, the French and the uh, three Americans in the top 10, I'm not trying to take anything away from how beautiful performance that was for them, but it was shocking to see the Swedes miss the wax and, or sorry, I don't think it was the waxing. I think it was a structure, but miss, miss the skis in, in a pretty stable, it was snowing, it was like around minus 10 and not super dirty snow or anything, but man, that is, that's tough when it doesn't go your way on home course. I don't know what you, I don't know if you heard anything, Luke, or what you thought, but that's, that's my perspective. Yeah, I haven't heard anything, but um, definitely a little bit when you're like, oh man, like, you know, it wasn't like an individual, like kind of across the board. Maybe it seemed like some of the Swedes underperformed a little bit. I mean, you know, some of them like Frida just having COVID, you're like, all right, maybe there's some stuff going on there. And yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's super possible. What's crazy though is like, man, you know, like with the way those are women skied in Yalavari, it's like, dude, they could have had good skis. Swedes, Swedish skis could have been on and things would not have. I mean, like, I don't think anyone on any skis is No one's touching Jesse. No one's touching Rosie. Both those performances yeah. were amazing. For but sure. I was just surprised to see all the Swedes do bad. For sure. And honestly, like, um, yeah, it sucks. You know, it's a big bummer for them, especially at home. The, the, the bright side of that coin, though, is like you said, getting to see some of those other nations and other people who – you know, have been on the World Cup for so long and have probably had so much time being like, what the hell am I doing? I'm not good enough for this. I'm never going to make it. Finally get to be like break free, you know, and just be like, oh, you know, like Victoria Carl has been in the game for so long. Flora Dolce is sweetest person, nicest person ever. And just to, oh man, you just can't, you know, just to see someone have that and get some validation on like their life, you know, and their efforts of their life. It's just like, yeah, you gotta be really happy for them. So that's, you know, I mean, like you said, as part of the game skis and um, if it, it, you know, it comes and goes and when it works in favor of, of people who are uh, maybe kind of underdogs, you just can't help but be, be really stoked about it. There, um, I remember this moment, <clears throat> I think it was in, in Sochi, but me, maybe it was in Vancouver. Um, Evo Niskanen had this like breakout performance in the team sprint with Sammy Yahoyerby. This is going on 10, 15 years ago. And that was Sochi. That was Sochi. Sochi. That's what I thought. Okay. So the, so in the, and the coach at that point for Finland was a guy named Magnar Dahlin, like sort of infamous legendary figure in cross country skiing. I think he's Swedish, but like maybe part Norwegian, whatever had like been in the game a long time. And I, I was, talking to him after the race and you know he said this thing that I just like sticks in my mind and it kind of is obvious but he was like there is no moment like when a star is born and like I I just I felt like we watched that happen a couple times this weekend like with JC going from literally never being in a sprint final to just not just being on the podium but unquestionably looking like he belonged there and skiing like he belonged there and you like watch that result and you're just like yeah he's gonna be there again like maybe next week maybe in five years but probably like 10 more times and also you know same with Flora Dulce uh who who you know has been in the top 15 top 20 any number of times like kind of knocking on the door and then all of a sudden just lays down this kind of performance where you're like whoa she's she's 23 24 
pretty clearly going to going to be there again. And I, I just those those two performances, I felt like those were definite star is born kind of moments. And I don't know, you don't get those in sport very often. And when it happens, it's just oh, it's totally good to watch. I mean, dude, that's yeah, I was thinking about that this weekend. Like, that's fucking that's why we do this whole thing, you know, is like, uh, yeah, you know how many people are in their jobs every day? That's what I was telling myself the other day is like, you know how many fucking people are like work, trying so hard to do something that's probably a lot more serious and meaningful than cross-country skiing. You know, like people are like, oh my gosh, I want to send my kids to college. I just want to fucking buy a house, whatever, you know? And they just cannot catch a break. And like sport is such a wonderful, just like tangible, you can, you can see, you know, the objective version of that, of being like, dude, if you stay at it, and you keep turning yourself inside out over and over again, you're, it's going to work, you know? And that's pretty cool. And it's cool to get to see people finally getting that, you know, like that's totally like what it's all about, man. So I agree. And like the whole stars board thing is totally true. Like watching JC and Ben this weekend, I was just like, dude, that is not a fluke. That's like, that is, that is it. That is the real deal. I don't know where the hell it was. I don't know where the hell it had been hiding in the past but they got it and it's not going anywhere. You know, that's pretty sick. Should we, should we do the like three minute rundown of, you know, another six Norwegians and I, I don't know how many it is in the top 10 in the men's distance race, but we can just, can we, you, this is sure. the part everyone fast forwards through in the podcast. Yeah, yeah. No, no, but you know, what? there is some, there's some nuggets in here because like Harald Osberg Amundsen, speaking of like, he's not a stars born. He's under 23 world champ. He's world junior champ. It's been on the podium before he's won world cups before, but like, dude, the dude is outwardly saying like, I want to win the yellow bib. He is a total boss. We talk a lot about Claybo's technique. We talked about JC's great classic skiing, uh, in the sprint, but like in skating, <laughs> Amundsen's technique in skating, man, there is That's not nice. many weaknesses. It's, good. It's, it's, good. it's perfection. It's yeah. perfection. tactical delivery which he's done the last couple of weeks now this was a knockout man and like kruger was finally back looking good tactically putting together a solid race and like got beat by eight seconds by amundsen so this was like a phenomenal performance by amundsen i think everyone's his capacity like his vo2 max numbers are off the charts his lactate clearance numbers are insane like and technically you see what you're we all see what we're seeing he he really is the next coming and this was this was a, this was a man, like, I like, it's not, I mean, I've seen a lot of cross country ski racing. I've been a cross country ski racer my whole life <laughs> trying to do it, but man, it's not often that I'm gobsmacked and I was gobsmacked by what I saw in Austin. It was, it was man. Oh man. There's not many 10 K skates I've seen or 15 K skates back in the days that, that are more beautifully executed. So that was amazing. Same too, like, like Jan Thomas Jensen, is someone like I, I know because I live in Norway and have friends that compete in the Scandinavian Cup and Norwegian Cup. And he's been like kind of grinding in that. And I know some North Americans are probably like, who is this guy? Where do they come from? Like, but the guy is taking his, this opportunity with both hands and he's like strangling that opportunity. He's like, kick me off the World Cup. I dare you to kick me back That's to the Scandinavian say. Cup. Like another fifth place. Same with like Ever Tildem Anderson. Although Everton, I'm understanding he's he's a world junior champion as well. Uh, you probably remember him in 2020. But um, 
you know, same thing, like every single one of these skate races is top five. It's yeah, they all have the same suit color and they all speak the same language, but there are some pretty phenomenal performances. And I think like some of the international guys, like, like international, like non-Norwegian guys, I mean, like Mach in eighth again, like, like this is super solid performance, even though he's 51 seconds adrift, which is actually quite a bit off the pace to be eighth. Um, but still it was top 10 when you're in the top 10, man, internationally, it's, it's for real. And, and same with Lindholm, man, the young, the young Finn, like 25 years old, like this is a great performance too. Like top 10 in a, in a skate race. Lindholm was, he, he threw down and your teammate, Luke, we got to hear about your teammate in 13th. I'm just going to give you the mic because holy cow performance. That was a breakout, man. That was a huge, huge breakout. And we've been like, singing praises about the sprinters and singing praises about Diggins and Rosie and even Sophia Lockley. Great. Blah, blah. But like, dude, what John did in 13th, man, this is success breeding success. So we got to hear your perspective there. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the best perspective I can have is he, um, he must have started shortly after I came through on the lap. And when he went by me, it was pretty clear. Uh, <laughs> we, you know, he was, he was having a good one because he, he did not take any time to, he didn't take his time going by me and he had a ride and he just stuck with it. And, um, I mean, he is a machine. His capacity is crazy. He trains a lot. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's been a little, maybe a little bit up and down, but he's always had that in there, I think, and has maybe just like struggled to put it together at the right, like, you know, like all of us do put it together at the right time. And he had in that relay last, you know, he was leg two or sorry, he was team two, he was leg three, he was, uh, he was on the team with um, Zach and JC and I on team two, and he had the fastest skate, definitely the fastest third leg, maybe the fastest of any skate leg. I think it was the yeah. fastest of any skate leg. Yeah, so that's Seaman Hexton Kruger, Jan Thomas Jensen, you know, big dogs in there, and granted, obviously, the nuances of relays are such that not everyone is going full bore the entire time, but I think um, that you know, this is what we were talking about that performance. I think he came away with that and was like, I mean, relays are so awesome for this reason because they're fun to watch, but also you just get a little taste of like, wait a minute, this is not as far as it feels. And I think he came away from that and was like, Holy shit. I just, well, you know, the best skater in the world today. And I think he just I, totally. I really want to just interject there quickly, like to, to hammer on that point, because you look at um, John Steele Hagenbuck's uh, results leading into that relay. Ruka World Cup 10K Classic, 66th place. Ruka 20K Freestyle, 45th place. Yalavari 10K Freestyle, 45th place. Like, not the results of a guy that's going to then ski his way into a top 15 in an individual start. And I just, I feel like that's such a vivid illustration of, like, Luke, what you're talking about, the kind of razor thin margins the the what can happen when you sort of change your are able to change your mindset and it's just like where did this come from and maybe it was it obviously was there the whole time and just like clearly some pieces of the picture needed to fit themselves together totally also, I mean, Matt, also sorry like also guys like he's 1.7 seconds from top 10 yeah that's and crazy. i know and i know i'm old i like i i know i'm old and stuff but like Top 10 on the World Cup, I'm telling you, man. And Luke, this will be your future here not so long. Like, once you're in the top 10, that's like that's the elite of the elite, man. If you're ninth or third, <laughs> there, there really is a big step. Oh, like, yeah. psychologically, 
but also like your level is if, if you're hitting top tens in the world cup, man, like you are there and the guys 1.7. So I agree with what you're saying that like all these like pretty, yeah, like hard knocks results earlier in the season in P1, which is notoriously difficult. It's the hardest period of the world cup all year is before Christmas. And he throws down 1.7 seconds. It's 22. Yeah. 1.7 seconds from top 10. Like this is, uh, yeah, man, we, uh, sh- yeah, chapeau big time. It was, it was a beautiful performance. Yeah. Hard course, Swedish nations group, slow conditions, just so I can went for it. Yeah. It's awesome. I mean, if you're Amundsen, Quavo, Goldberg, all those guys, you can count that you're going to be in the front every single time, you know, pretty much. But for man, like, 12th through 40th it's incredible how much variation there can be you know i mean the bottom part usually stays in that and the, top, the very top stays usually in that but man the little things that add up make a big difference in finding time and you know that that could be 30 places pretty easily so um yeah man when 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 people end up on the positive side of that and break through it's really awesome so I'm going to have to run here. I got to go to a uh, press conference about the Cook Inlet outside of uh, Anchorage natural gas supply uh, that the Anchorage mayor is having this morning. So we got some real scintillating stuff here. My my takeaway is um, John Steele Hagenbuck has been racing, I think, with like a reasonably heinous stash this year. And so I'm thinking, Luke, maybe that's maybe that's you're looking pretty well, clean. I'll tell you what, I think um, you need to give me a few years, maybe. <laughs> I, I shaved the other day. I said, all right, I think I'm I'm done for 2024. I don't think I'll have to do it again until 2025. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. But we loved having like we loved having you, Luke. It was great. I want to give a quick shout out to to like Gus again in 21st. What a great period one he's having. And and, and Tony. Thought uh, Tony had a great solid, not just great, like I think Tony had a great weekend in uh okay, maybe not great weekend, but he had a super solid weekend in Ostersund and to be 24th in 10K skate. Super psyched to see him uh, in Trondheim this weekend. And and Luke, buddy, really, really appreciate you coming on. And John with a couple yeah. old-timers like Nat and I, really appreciate it. And I'll yeah, see you on the weekend. I'll yeah, see you tomorrow. Totally. Maybe. Oh, you're going to be here. Oh, yeah, I'm in Trondheim, so I'm, I'm oh, flying shit. up tomorrow night. Yeah, right, so awesome. I'll give you a high five, and I'll be I'll be yelling loud on the side of the side of the trail. So it's going to be awesome yeah, to see you. Dude, uh, yeah, you're you're gonna have to do some real like pick up some go- hot gossip out there. It's, this is this is our shot until uh, until yeah, we don't got excuse. Maybe some hidden hidden mics or something. Maybe. <laughs> I I had to uh, so I'm I'm because I'm running my own newsletter. I actually had to apply because I'm trying to buy libel insurance. And one of the one of the like questionnaires on the application is like, do you use anonymous sources? Do you do undercover investigation? Do you use like hidden cameras and the hidden mics? I was like, man, maybe I should start, but it's probably uh, probably going to make for a lower, lower premium for me. So that's good. All right, dudes. Uh, Luke, yeah, great to have you. Thank you so much. You're invited back anytime. And uh, anytime, anytime, man. We, we didn't even get into like Luke's doing great stuff here in Anchorage. Like he's working with the Mountain View Boys and Girls Club. You're, you got coaching going on that you didn't get to plug. So, you know, you'll have to come back. Yeah, but this is what's sweet. We're just going to get him. We're just going to get him back. We're gonna, we got to get Luke back on. And uh, it was really, really awesome. You joined us, Luke. And yeah, like I said, we'll see you tomorrow or Thursday. Looking forward yeah, to tuning you for on. Yeah, looking forward to it. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll be back. 